Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. This is episode number 139 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And I am your co-host, Russ, K5TUX, welcoming you in to our latest program as I have to reach all the way across the studio to fade the music out. <laughs> and uh, we also have with us tonight Pete, VE2XPL from... Uh, yeah, Look, I'm from- never here. I missed a couple of shows. No, you're you're here. You're here about as often as we are. Yeah, no, it's okay. I had a computer explode, as I explained back two weeks ago, and uh, but we're back, and we're back. And <laughs> see, you never told me where that was from. I'm here. I'm here. Let the bells ring. Let the trumpet sound. Because I don't know Anyways. where it's from. It's from Bugs Bunny. It's a classic. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> don't you watch Bugs Bunny? Um, no. I, I used to watch Bugs Bunny like ages and ages ago. When he yeah. was like five. See, we don't have children, so we don't watch these things anymore. <laughs> but you don't need to have children. That's the beauty of Bugs Bunny. I see. Same um, with the Flintstones. Anyhow, I digress. <laughs> of course. And Cheryl is here as well. Hello, everyone. Yay. And uh, as as uh, last time, we are together here in the same studio, Studio 3D, standing for triple dogs, uh, <laughs> who are lying strewn about uh, in various states of repose. And uh, we have the old podcasting set set up again, so everything should be nice and quiet, and we actually have inline music and all of that good crap. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, good. I'm so glad you're a part of the show now. Thank you. Here, uh, let me just cut your mic off. Okay, you do that. <laughs> just kidding. All right. Um, but as it she, happens... Just have to yell. She's sitting across from you. That's very true. <laughs> that's true. Just take yours and beat you up with it. <laughs> Her mic is heavier than mine, too. So. <laughs> we'll see. So there, that's an advantage to yeah. me. I don't have to go get the uh, rolling pin on the kitchen door. There you go. Maybe we should talk yeah. about our our setup someday. Maybe um, we should. might be interesting to people to know what kind of equipment we use for doing this whole podcast thing that we do. Sure, embarrass me in front of everyone. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> well, I don't that know. Would be interesting, actually. I think that would be cool. There's something to be said for a simpler setup than what we've got going here, because we have a lot of equipment running to do this. I've done it both ways. I've done complex and I've done simple, and they both have pluses and minuses. So yeah, I think that would be a, a neat, uh, a neat thing to talk about in segment three one day. Yeah, there you go. Sounds good. Except I'm not using Linux in the ham shack currently. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we'll see what we can do about that. Anyway. Uh, shh. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. Did you just say shh? I did. Shh. <laughs> 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 I, I don't know. The T puts us dangerously close to a bad dude. <laughs> anyway, this show is going to be mostly Pete um, since he did all the work. Which yeah, is part well, of that's that, not true. That's not part, true because a lot of, of the ham it, radio stuff is stuff that you had put together. That's right. No, Cheryl, that's what I put together. Right, Cheryl oh, put sorry, it together. I didn't know. Several weeks ago. Yeah. And it just never oh, got used. So, so it's current. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very current. Are you saying my stuff is not current? 
Yes. Timeless. But this stuff is timeless, though. <laughs> That's right. All right. So uh, that being said, Pete, go ahead. Read the first story. And maybe just, like, go ahead and do all of them, you know? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make you read some. Okay, all right. I'm going to mute my mic and not come back, and he'll be like, Pete. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> all right. Uh, in our first segment, uh, as always, we talk about amateur radio. And uh, this was a really interesting one uh, for you guys who enjoy radio reading because Popular Electronics Magazine, Popular Electronics, let me fix my allocution. Popular Electronics Magazine archive is now online, so that's pretty cool. So uh, whether you're new to the hobby or if you're just uh, nostalgic about the good old days, uh, then uh, the name of the magazine known as Popular Electronics uh, will definitely ring a bell. You guys know it, of course. You guys know it. You guys love it. It's been around forever. So uh, thanks to the effort of the uh, why is that all one word? American Radio History uh, Association, AmericanRadioHistory.com. Uh, there's a shared archive of all the popular electronics magazines. So it goes from uh, 1954 to 1982. So uh, the current stuff isn't archived yet for whatever reason, but I'm sure they'll uh, get to that. Although until uh, they decide to archive uh, the last 20 years, I'm sure you'll have plenty to read between uh, what was published in 1954 and 1982. So uh, that's all uh, pretty cool. Uh, although uh, Popular Electronics is not the only publication that you'll find there. So there's uh, several million uh, pages of hundreds of books and magazines on radio, television, computers, and much more. Uh, and it's all available on the web. On the wed, on the wed, on the wed, on the wed, at American Radio History, all in one word, dot com, com, all in one word. So the direct link is, uh, let's see, tinyurl.com slash popular dash electronics dash archive. And that's a story obtained from the uh, good folks at Amateur Radio Newsline. Popular Electronics, uh, a great, great magazine, and I think that it's really, really cool that they have them online now. And going back to 1954, compared to what they do now, it's kind of like looking at your, um, you know, whatever electronics book you may have if you've been in the hobby for a while uh, from the last 30 or 40 years. It's kind of interesting to see uh, how things have progressed. So I'm actually going to check that out. Sounds good. I think I will take this next story because it leads into something that's going on for Linux and the Hamshack right now. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> something you need to tell me, perhaps. <laughs> uh, no, not necessarily. It's something you should already know about if you paid attention to social networking. But, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah. Anyway, the story is uh, Ham Happenings, Hera Arena Facing Financial Problems and uh, Financial Troubles for the Longtime Home of the Dayton Hamvention. Uh, this, as WDTN-TV News 2 report that the venue located in the suburb of Trotwood, Ohio, has cut back to only a dozen full-time staff to save on operating costs. And that's about what they have during Hamvention, even mm -hmm. though there's like 20,000 people in the building. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, the WDTN story quotes Harrah's director of marketing, Karen Wampler. She explained the difficulty facing the Hare Arena in competing with other area venues, such as the Nutter Center at Wright State University. Wampler went on to describe the primary challenges for the Hera is a need for renovation funds. Oh, yes. Definitely. Uh, and an ownership model change. To that end, Wampler said that the arena is working with Venue Works, which is a company that specializes in restoring event venues such as the Hera, and that she anticipated some very good news in 2015. 
A quick look at the Hair Arena webpage shows some 60 major events already scheduled between January 2nd and September 26th of 2015, with the Dayton Hamvention in its usual slot in mid-May, specifically the weekend of May 15th to the 17th. So no matter what the TV news reports say about the finances of the 165,000-square-foot Hera Complex for Hamvention 2015, the show will definitely go on as planned. Of course, a link to that story will be in the show notes. And this is a good lead-in to the fact that I launched five days ago our Hamvention Indiegogo campaign for 2015. Oh, phew. I you were going to say that, that, that <laughs> Linux in the Ham is also having financial trouble. <laughs> well, we also we always have They're financial fired, difficulties, Pete. but uh, we, we tend us. to work through them. Yeah, that's, that's just us. Uh, last year, we did an Indiegogo campaign, and we were successfully funded. We uh, were donated a total of $1,430, if I remember correctly, something something around there. Uh, we put together a bunch of perks and stuff and uh, sent them out to folks. And there are still some perks to be done from last year. I do apologize for the lateness of this, but we have a bunch of haikus to put together to read for people. You know, I'm going to try and get this done for next episode so we can have that done for, for number 140. That would be a good time to do it. It's up there at Indiegogo. I don't remember the exact URL because it's kind of uh, long and convoluted. It's not like it was last year. Uh, but if you go to Indiegogo.com and search for Linux, uh, you will find us. We're like the top or the second hit under there. We're trying to pull together enough money to go out to Hamvention again this year. We've already had several donations, and uh, we're about 10% into the campaign, and we're about 10% funded. So that's uh, perfect pacing for the way things you know tend to work. So There's also a link on the website and on the Linux Lamjack Facebook page. That's right. And I've been posting once every four or five days because I don't want to inundate people with, you know, asking for money and all that kind of stuff. But it's on Google Plus. It's in the, you know, our Google Plus community, which, by the way, is over 1,000 members strong right now. That's awesome. Oh, my God. I have to get on. Yeah. I don't get on the Google (laughs) enough. I'm still... uh... No, I'm not. <laughs> not anywhere, <laughs> just, really. But. Yeah, I'm just not. Okay. I, well, I use I use Google mostly for my agenda, which has nothing to do with this show. But I should get onto there because I'm logged in anyways. I just don't even just don't check. Yeah, into I the don't do Google Plus should. either. So right. I'm Facebooker. We're starting to get a lot of feedback and a lot of uh, discussion going on there about Linux and the Hamshack uh, between the members of that group, which is really nice to see. That's huge, though. I'm impressed. That's very good. Good on you guys. Yep. We, uh, we sur- awesome. It is. And we surpassed the 750 um, members of the Going Linux podcast. So in your face, Going Linux. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> sure they're all very nice. No, it's not mean. <laughs> no, it's all good fun. Yeah. It's all good ham radio ragging. <laughs> we can move on from the Hamvention campaign and everything. If you get a chance to donate, that's we would love it. You can donate a dollar. We have perks starting at even as little as $5 all the way up to $500. And, of course, no one's that insane, so we're not too worried about it. Oh, um, somebody might do it. Yeah, somebody might do it. But if you can't donate, uh, certainly just promote, you know, uh, repost, retweet on Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter. Uh, and we'll try and get it out to as many people as we can. And Retweet on Facebook, Google yeah, Plus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and if uh the way the the way the structuring for the financing works is if we don't meet our goal which is $1500 then everyone gets their money back and we just don't show up. 
it's not a like we're just going to take the money and run thing if we don't get fully funded we'll just pack it in and try again in 2016 so, but if you get like to a thousand dollars instead of 1500 why don't you just go and sleep in the car <laughs> no because i don't want to do that i want to <laughs> you know i just have a thing about sleeping in the car and cheryl's pretty uncomfortable sleeping in the car too i think well actually well, I cheryl, think we... cheryl could be in the in the hotel room well yeah oh i see but then you'd still have to have a hotel room which means we would need the whole 1500 so <laughs> well i actually think we figured out last night that we were still going to have to uh Cover several hundred dollars between gas and stuff. You know, well, like, not so. necessarily. It depends on if we can find a cheaper <laughs> hotel, which I think I've located. But um, you know, it 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 actually costs a lot of money to go to Hamvention because we sit in the mm-hmm. inside booths, and just the booth rent is four hundred bucks. I mean, that's yeah. you know that alone is a huge chunk of it. And then of course there's getting to Dayton and staying in Dayton and and all of that good stuff. But uh, what about bed and breakfast? Those are sometimes cheaper and actually very nice. Um, often they are, but handicap accessibility is usually a problem at B&Bs, so we have to be okay. careful about that. And I keep saying that Russ can go by himself, and he refuses to do it. He did it one year and said, not again. Yeah, because that means you can't help. And plus, he gets you out of the house. So, Yay. I get to get up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> Come on, it's a, it's a free date. <laughs> That's right. It's a three-day date. <laughs> and you get to go to a wonderful town in Ohio. There you go. Everybody wants to go there. And go yeah, to the really right. crappy hair arena that's where they right. have exploding toilets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you've, you're surrounded by wonderful people. That's true. So, you know, that's it's true. worth it. Yes. We, I, have, I actually have to say and admit that Hamvention has been a wonderful experience for me because I've met people from all over the world because people from all over the world come to Hamvention. And I have met some actually super people. So men, mostly men, some women, yeah. and of course, everybody lectures me about, you need to get your ticket, you need to get your ticket, and I will never do <laughs> We're still working on that. We'll see how that goes. I had yeah. plans to do it this year, but I couldn't get there from Hair Arena, because uh, they didn't offer a handicap transportation. Yeah, I remember that. Maybe yeah. I should put a perk up that's, you know, maybe like at the, you know, $250 level that says, if somebody donates at this amount, you have to get your license. I, I will get my license. I just, I'm going to have to do it locally, You know, I bet, obviously. I'd be willing to bet someone would pay $250 to make you get your license. <laughs> well, there you go. Stop tormenting the poor child. Scare away. All right. Well, that's it for that. There's the Hamvention problems, uh, but apparently there's good news coming up later this year. And, of course, we will hopefully be there in May of 2015. And if we are, we'll see you there, too. They'll, they'll, if I mean, worst case, they'll just do it somewhere else. Oh, yeah. And people yeah. will complain because, oh, it's been happening. At blah, 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 oh, it would be really nice there. if it was somewhere it, else. Yeah, it would be very nice if they would do it somewhere else. I mean, but we, I mean, that's just the word. I mean, it, it would, you know, historically, it's kind of nice that it always happens at the same place. And like right. I said, people who are nostalgic like it. But at the same time, it'll happen somewhere else. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, I understand nostalgia, but it's also. A major dump. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's why they literally. Do it. <laughs> yeah, you know. the hair arena is definitely falling in around itself. But. Yeah, it's in, and I'm kind of shocked that they still use it because it is. It's almost turning into a hazard. Well, but the people. the one thing about it is though is it it is 165 thousand square feet, which in terms of convention centers is a fairly good sized one. That's so, very true. You know, yeah, but there's other places around America where you could do that. Oh, well, certainly at Las Vegas, of course, is a place where you can find lots yeah. of huge convention centers. So, uh, but yeah, there's definitely some nostalgia for Dayton. 
All right, enough about Dayton for crying out loud. <laughs> Stop griping. Right. You know. Until next time. Right. Yeah. So Cheryl can read the next story then. All righty then. Um, the next one is a teenager wins prize with breath to Morse code converter. It's good thing you made Cheryl read this one. I was going to skip to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Carry on. Okay. Uh, Google Science Fair 2014 Voter's Choice Award has been won by 16-year-old Arsh Dabagi of yeah. India. His winning device called Talk converts short and long breaths of air into electrical signal signals, excuse me. Signals? Signals, yeah. That in turn enables people to communicate using Morse code. Delbagi uh, performed a trial of the unit on a hospital patient in New Delhi, now has a ten thousand uh, dollar scholarship from Google to further del- develop the vo- device. Wow. I need to start. I think that's cool. Yeah. The announcement did not state if Delbagi holds an amateur license. And I got the story from the ARnewsline.org. Amateur Radio Newsline, the source of all of our information. Hell, you can just go listen to the newsline. You don't have to listen to other crap anymore. (laughs) Yeah, he's not as entertaining, though. No, that's right. (laughs) It's like a newscast. Good. It's a good newscast. But I think this is, um, I mean, I don't think it really matters if uh, this young man has his uh, ticket or not, because it's not just users of uh, ham radio that uh, have a use for Morse code, of course. That's right. But uh, I think that's like I think that's phenomenal what he's done. Well, right, especially for people that are, you know, quadriplegics or something that have no use of their arms, they can still communicate, you know, using ham radio, doing Morse code, using their breath. Which, you know, yeah, yeah. No, it's a great thing. And speaking of Morse code, we went to the Titanic exhibit in yeah, Branson, in Missouri, Branson, Missouri. Yeah, a couple of days ago. And there's a, a display there where you can enter your name in Morse code and it will read it back to you as if you were the telegraph operator there uh, on the Titanic, which is, you know, that's kind of cool for the kitties and everything. But I actually learned something there that I didn't know. Originally, the distress call that was sent out by telegraph operators uh, in the time of the Titanic was CQD, not SOS. Yeah, I knew that. But what I didn't know is what CQD meant. See, I knew it was CQD, but I had no idea what CQD stood for. Pete, do you know what CQD stands for without looking it up? CQ distress. Uh, yes, but it was actually referred to, it's actually come quickly distress. Okay. How I uh, was told by the uh, person there, and he was a, what is he, Irishman? He was Irish. He was either Irish or Scott. Yeah, Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was Irish because that's, because they built it in Belfast, so... Well, he doesn't have you know. No, he, he doesn't have to be from Ireland, Missouri. of course not. But he <laughs> clearly, you know, want to be as authentic as they can. I think. So. Right. But yeah, uh, apparently CQD oh, nice. stands for "Come Quickly Distress," which was interesting. I did not know that. I just knew that that was what they sent instead of SOS, and now it's become SOS, which apparently stands for "Save Our Ship." I thought it was "Save Our Souls." Was it? Well, I heard "Save Our Ship." It could have been "Save Our Ship" originally. I I had heard "Save Our Souls." Could be saver. Badger. <laughs> That's very true. That'd be, that'd be SOB, save our badger. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's interesting indeed. I, I didn't know the CQ. I knew it was CQ distress, but I didn't know that the CQ was come quick. Come quickly. Yep. That's that's what I learned over the weekend. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it's, it sounds good. You know, it sounded authentic coming did. from an Irishman, I'll bet. That's right. Oh, it yeah. sure did. Everything yeah, but, sounded authentic. I, he was probably telling us a whole bunch of lies, but it sounded good. So. Yeah, because he has an accent. It's like that's why they always have. Uh, you know, narrators from uh, uh, biographies and, and uh, things 
that are informative, they always have a narrator that's British because it sounds more authentic. <laughs> <laughs> or Morgan Freeman, both of which work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your career. British or Morgan Freeman. Great. <laughs> If you want people to believe something, just put in a Brit or Morgan Freeman. (laughs) (laughs) The Brit is probably cheaper. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I imagine. All right. So, so Pete, I guess you wanted to do the next one, so go for it. Well, I'm going to skip that one and come back to it. And since we mentioned Amateur Radio Newsline, uh, for those who didn't know, uh, the uh, creator and uh, author, Bill Pasternak, uh, has been keeping a low profile lately as he recuperates from injuries sustained from a fall at home. Uh, it doesn't really say specifically what he fell off of or what he was doing, but uh, Bill Pasternak, uh, whose call sign is WA6ITF, who's been doing amateur radio newsline for the past 37 years, uh, fell off of something and he's rehabilitating. He's got uh, cardiac and pulmonary testing uh, to go through and rehab for some uh, chronic issues. So um, he's been in the hospital for nearly a month, uh, probably a little bit more now. Uh, he cracked two ribs, apparently, in a household mishap, it says. I like how they keep it vague. A household <laughs> mishap. His wife hit him with a frying pan. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, he's been doing five or six minute versions of the news line for the last couple of weeks. So he's still publishing some. But he says that uh, in 37 years, it's the first time that he's missed uh, his uh, regular publishing. So I thought I would uh, mention that because uh, Bill Pasternak is a uh, longstanding uh, contributor and, and not just contributor. I mean, it's it's his thing. And uh, we uh, hope that he recuperates uh, quickly. And uh, I mean, he's still he's okay. He's just hurt, so uh, he'll he'll be back. But uh, since we got a lot of our news from Amateur Radio Newsline, and so do a lot of hams. I mean, even Ham Nation used to get their news from him, and eventually just got him to come on and, and do his own segment, which is right. pretty cool. Uh, so I thought I'd mention that. So, uh, well, maybe we should do the same thing. Uh, we hope that uh, you recuperate quickly, and our prayers and thoughts go with you. I think we just need to get Bill to come on here and do uh, a, a new segment. You need yeah, to, he just you do need to wait until out of the hospital. Though. Yeah, he can just do 10 minutes at the beginning, uh, you know. You never know. We could ask him. Yeah. I'm sure he's not busy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got plenty of time on his That hands. wasn't sarcastic in the least. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's worth asking, though. It's worth asking. Maybe, yeah. I don't know if would he sell us the rights. I mean, because Ham Nation has it, uh, would would first of all would Ham Nation like sue our asses off the planet? You know, uh, for for using him, would they let us? Is he like sold the soul to them? Oh, Ham Ham Nation can suck it. Wow, so, I actually enjoy Ham Nation. I think it's it's interesting. Uh, that's all right. You can enjoy, a, you, you can enjoy it if you like. I, so, I won't hold it against you. Yeah, and they even got those other guys uh, from uh, your neck of the woods there to uh, – uh, oh, God, I have a uh, – Bob a Heil? Who? Bob Heil? No, they have him. He's cool. Uh, the two gentlemen who used to do a video cast – good grief. Why am I forgetting this? It's like one of the first video casts for ham radio. Well, Bob Heil lives like an hour away, so – No, not Bob Heil. Oh, yeah, no, come no, back no, 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 yeah. All right, we'll come back to it. So, are you going to do the other story? Or are you going to, or are we just? Yeah, no, no. I wanted to. I wanted to read it. I just uh, thought since okay. we mentioned uh, amateur, 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 amateur radio, amateur. We're talking amateur radio. We are talking um, amateur radio. I thought I'd mention that first. But, the Brits uh, have the thing with the H, don't they? And Canadians too, I think. <laughs> well, it's not Canadians specifically. It's uh, 
well, Canadians, it's French to English. For some reason, when people speak French, they put H's where there's none. So they'll say, uh, I, I'm, I am practicing am radio. Hey, you know, like they'll, they'll, they'll take the H's off where there should be and they'll put them on where they, where there shouldn't be. So, so that's like just, pig French. No, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, <laughs> It's just a French guy trying to speak English. It's just for some reason the accents and intonations aren't the same in French and English. So they have problem. One of the problems is 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 talking with the H, eh? <laughs> the H. It's not the H. It's, I'm, I I can't pronounce my H properly. It happens in Clear. Missouri as right. well. They add an R where R's aren't supposed to be. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Missouri. Instead of so, Missouri. Well, how's that an R? That's a uh instead of an E. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but you bowl in a town called Aurora, A-U-R-O-R-A, and everybody around here is Aurora. I'm going to Aurora to go to Walmart. Uh, I'm like, I've never heard no- anyone say that except the, you say that people say that. The oh, southern twang. Was, yeah, it's the mm-hmm. southern twang. Yeah. So, <clears throat> maybe you're just too used to it and you're not hearing the twang. Maybe. Yeah. He, well, yeah. and he doesn't talk to a lot of people that I talk to. Well, so, that's probably well, very yeah, true. That's very yeah. true. He's actually yeah. social. That's why he has a podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> that's right. I can speak from behind my pulpit here. <laughs> uh, All right. Back to the show. And scene. And scene. All right. Uh, here's another exciting news for those of you who enjoy uh, satellite communications. Uh, AMSAT is throwing a new satellite into the air. Uh, Fox A1, it's called. No, sorry. Fox 1A. I almost had it. Fox 1A satellite. Uh, the launch date is set for uh, August, uh, August 27th, specifically from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California. And uh, they'll have an FM transporter on it with an up- uplink frequency of uh, 435, 180, uh, and the downlink at 145.980. So uh, it's the first phase of the Fox series, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, it's a one-unit cube set which uh, will allow simple ground communications using handheld transceivers. I've tried that. It really works. You can speak to satellites with a handheld transceiver, which is pretty cool. Transceiver, simple dual dual band antenna. It's a very simple setup. For those of you who want to get uh, involved in uh, amateur radio satellites, you can uh, hear them just with your handheld. So uh, the uh, Fox 1 CubeSat will also be able to transmit continuous telemetry uh, during normal transponder operations. So the satellite will feature a 200 BPS telemetry in the audio spectrum below 300 hertz. So that's pretty cool. So the Fox series uh, will take advantage of additional launches in the uh, years to come. Uh, It says in this year and next, but... Who knows? Uh, so they're planning on uh, Fox 1B and uh, Fox 1C. So uh, there you go. Uh, new uh, satellites up in the air. That's also uh, – no, sorry. I got that from ARRL.org uh, from their news feed. All right. That's interesting. I, it's always nice to hear about satellite communications, and it's something I would love to try one of these days. I just you know never get around to it. And, of course, my entire ham shack right now is packed up in boxes, so – Hopefully, I will get back around to being on the air at some point. That's what you well, get. Well, to listen, to listen, you just need your your handheld and a decent rubber ducky, and uh, there's a lot of uh, which is really cool because uh, you know jumping into Linux next, uh, there's a lot of uh, free programs that you can get. Uh, through Linux for tracking satellites. Even if you don't want to talk to the satellites or listen to them, you can just download some of the software and just see where all the satellites are, which is really cool, and see where they're coming over you. And it, it 
you know, tells you what angle they're coming at and uh, how many minutes you'll have in, in, uh, in terms of from the time it comes up over the horizon to the time it goes back down. So the passes are usually, you know, five, seven, ten minutes. So you, you can't have, you know, really long rag chews. Uh, I haven't talked to a satellite, but I've listened to a bunch of them and it's really, really quick. And what's really good about the satellite community is it's very small, a very tight-knit group, and they're very respectful. And as soon as there's a new guy, um, because it's very competitive, you know, everybody wants to get on the satellites, especially over North America. The satellites are very, very much in use. And when the satellite is over you, it's got a huge footprint. So you've got people within a couple of hundred miles radius all around you who are trying to talk to the same satellite because this thing is way up in the air. So its footprint is huge, of course. And um, people are all trying to get on. But then as soon as there's a new guy, because they all know each other, they, they all know each other's call signs and names and, you know, what kind of coffee they drink. And as soon as there's a new guy, everyone just shuts up and they let the new guy get on because they want the new guy to have that experience. And I thought that was the coolest thing. So, uh, you know, get on the satellite community for that. And uh, if you uh, just want to download the uh, programs and see when the satellites are coming over and as soon as it's coming over, run to your backyard and uh, tune the downlink frequency and you can just uh, hear them talking away. That is very cool. And G-Predict is the application that we promote when we go to Hamvention and when we talk about satellite tracking on the show because it's cross-platform, works uh, pretty much anywhere, mm, and is a very nice satellite tracking application. Yeah, it's a, that's a simple one, too. I've used that one as well. So and I actually built my own uh, uh, UHF antenna. I've never talked to the satellites, but I actually built my own UHF antenna uh, for talking out of uh, basically 12-gauge wire and cardboard. So if you go onto the AMSAT website, uh, you'll have some links on how to make your own antenna for, you know, peanuts. That sounds cool. I should check that out because satellite is definitely one of the things I would love to do. Uh, so, yeah, you could go as simple as a handheld uh, cardboard antennas to, uh, you know, I have some friends who are on there, you know, all the the antennas that with the software programs that move your antenna as you track and, you know, keep it in line and they're like all out, you know, doing it all from the shack. Um, I was basically just doing it with a, uh, a dual band uh, handheld from my backyard, you know, which is pretty cool. Actually, funny story, if I may, I had built, <laughs> I had built my antenna and I was in the backyard testing it. You know, this thing was probably about, oh, I don't know, a foot, 18 inches long, basically. It just basically looks like a small TV antenna, you know. Uh, and I was pointing it up in the air and I had my uh, handheld in the other hand with this really long whip antenna. And my neighbor's house was for rent and <laughs> and and as the uh as the owners came in with potential renters these people were like kind of watching me out of the corner of their eye in the backyard pointing my antenna up into the air nothing and and you know <laughs> you know what you should have done you should have had your tinfoil hat on while I know, you're on I, know. I, like, I, I realized that they were probably watching me for like five or ten minutes by the time i saw they were there and, and they were just giving me the strangest look <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you're a non-ham, you know, you see somebody pointing a cardboard antenna at the sky, you got to wonder what kind of freak that is. You see somebody with a radio with a super long whip and a Pringles can pointing at the sky. <laughs> <and> you... <laughs> Run. Oh, man. That's but, pretty uh, good. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I haven't uh, played with it in a while. I still have the antenna. It's in my shed. 
Uh, I haven't had time in, in a little while, but uh, it is good fun. And even just even just listening, you don't need anything. You can just walk out the backyard with your HT and existing antenna. And uh, if, if you got a good pass right over you, uh, you can hear them and it's pretty cool. And, and as the satellite is going over, uh, you even have the Doppler effect. So you have to uh, shift your frequency, uh, you know, five kilohertz every few seconds as, as the uh, satellite's tracking. So it's really neat. We should probably move on to a couple of Linux topics before we wrap up the show here, since we've been talking our asses off about stuff. As folks who have listened to the last episode will recall, we interviewed David Rowe, and he is uh, Victor Kilo 5 Delta Golf Romeo. I always want to reverse those last two, but and he is the, the inventor of Codec 2 and the co-creator of the FreeDV project. Uh, we interviewed him at length, and uh, it was a really fun show. We had a lot of good information there. And he was talking about doing a lab and a talk at LinuxConf AU. And apparently that has happened, apparently over the last weekend, or the last week, I gather. A YouTube video of that, uh, of his talk about Codec 2, has been posted that link will be in the show notes, but uh, I can go ahead and read it here. It's uh, If you've ever seen a YouTube link, you know they're stupid. But it's youtube.com slash watch, question mark, V equals U4SVOUB6, capital X, lowercase c, capital E. And uh, like I said, that link will be in the show notes. But if you want to catch his talk that he did at LinuxConf AU about... Codec 2, that's where you go. And, or, uh, or, you just uh, Google David Rowe Codec 2 Linux Coffee AU, <laughs> and I'll come right up, because that's what I did. No, what I would do <laughs> is I would listen to episode number 138 of Linux in the Ham Shack and learn all about Codec 2 first. Then I would go to the show notes for this episode and just click on the link. It's much easier. Than, you can do that, too. Yeah, well. Yeah. I'm just talking about the people who are listening live and don't want to uh, write watch question mark V equals blah, 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 X, E, X, C, E. Hey, look at that end. X, C, E. I bet I'd be willing to bet there's somebody who's writing that down while they're driving right now. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking a beer. That's right. (laughs) Because if you're going to go, do it with some style. That's right. (laughs) But anyways, uh, I'm gonna, I want to check that out. David Rowe is a fascinating guy. Uh, I was very happy to be uh, involved in the interview. A really nice guy. Built his own electric car. Pff, why not? You know, in your spare time. <laughs> out of a Daihatsu, uh, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and some pretzels. I mean, that's just basically, you know, it's like it's crazy. He just pulled this thing out of his rear. It seems. Okay. The, the title of this episode is now Daihatsu and Pretzels. <laughs> There you go. It happens all by itself. The magic just happens. It does. But anyway, check out the talk because this guy is, is fascinating. I mean, he's he's a genius and, and a really nice guy. Yeah, you know? he's, a, he's an amazing guy. Australia is lucky to have him. So Yeah, absolutely. So uh, cool. All and right. We were lucky to have him on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Twice, as a matter of fact. That was the second time he's been on the show. Yeah, so. indeed. He's, he's a really nice guy, and the thing of it is, I just popped up one night on Skype and said, hey, Dave, you want to come talk on the show? And he's like, ah, sure, no, what's the problem? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just he just loves to talk about Codec 2 and FreeDV projects. So. And that doesn't sound like Yeah, for sure. Now. And he's involved in, like, you know, it seems like a dozen other projects with our, which are equally all fascinating. 
including building a, an electric car out of a Daihatsu and pretzels. Well, so, yeah, yeah, and fixing said electric car. That's right. Continually. And apparently loaning it to his daughter for two years. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you do when you have kids. I guess so. It's like, here, I built an electric car. Sure, I guess you can borrow it. <laughs> He probably didn't expect it to come back after 20, you know, after he landed out in 2012. (laughs) All right. So who wants to do the next story? Who did the last story? I did the last story. So who wants to do the next story? No, I think Pete did the last story. No, I did the last story. I was talking about David. Oh, that's right. I'll do it. All right. Uh, This is something I came across on a couple of uh, websites. So I figured, well, since it's it's popping up everywhere, I'll talk about it. I I ran across this on the ZDNet, on uh, Linux Today, and on a a third one that I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, But uh, Linus Torvalds uh, was talking security recently at uh, linuxconf.au again. So a good segue, good segue. Uh, and he uh, was in a Q&A session and he basically said that uh, um, security needs to be made public because a lot of companies uh, seem to hide their security issues or bugs uh, for whatever reason. And he was saying, uh, well, I'll just read the quote. People are less willing sometimes uh, to brush the problem under the mat and leave it up to vendors uh, that have disclosures. Uh, he said, uh, I'm a huge believer in just disclosing. Uh, of course, being an open source, that kind of makes sense that you would disclose because the more people know about it, uh, the you know, more likely you are to get a fix for a security problem. Uh, but a lot of people argue that if you make your security problems public, you're making yourself vulnerable. Who are these people? Usually they're like Microsoft and Google, of course. So uh, uh, there's this later on in the article, there's this uh, uh, phrase or whatever little section that says that, uh, let's see, Turvald's comment, uh, uh, comments, a spat of words and bug disclosures between Microsoft and Google, respectively. Last week, a series of Windows security issues were automatically publicly disclosed by Google after its project a 090-day deadline passed. So uh, uh, Google and, and Microsoft are saying, are basically the ones saying that if you uh, if you tell people your security bugs, then you're leaving yourself open to all kinds of problems. But of course, these guys aren't open source, so uh, why would they? And they're huge corporations, so they don't want to admit that they make mistakes. But I just thought it was a really interesting article. Uh, it's a short article. It's a quick read. And uh, you can find it, like I said, on uh, ZDNet, on Linux Today, and on, on a bunch of other uh, websites. So no, uh, if you guys have any thoughts on that, do you have a chance to check the article out at all? Or? I didn't, but when it comes to security, as far as disclosing security vulnerabilities, the thing of it is, whether you disclose the vulnerability or not, it, the, the vulnerability is already there. It's being published in the circles that are important to people who are interested in vulnerabilities, those being the hackers, the crackers, and those you know, white hats who are trying to defend against them. So the information is already out there. I don't see how disclosing it to the general public is causing any additional security vulnerability. And and the fact of the matter is, the more widely known it is, the easier it is for the community to jump in and fix the problem. Whereas if you're limiting it to just your development team to try and fix the problem without letting anybody know that it's out there, Basically, what you've done is created a vulnerability that nobody knows about except the people who can already exploit it, and you have limited the number of people who can mitigate it. 
So, oh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think Torvalds is right. You absolutely should disclose all, all vulnerabilities, particularly the ones that are most devastating, because it'll be fixed much faster if it's out in the open. Yeah, in the article, it uh, states uh, that Microsoft says that they should privately disclose vulnerabilities uh, and work with the software companies uh, to mitigate them. But Yeah, it sounds like a load of malarkey. Well, that's Microsoft, right? They're, <laughs> well, they're, that's not, right. they're obviously not open source, so uh, and and they're Microsoft, so micro and soft. Yes, there you go. <laughs> I go let, All yeah, right. it's, a, it's just a quick, interesting read. I thought. Yeah, I haven't read it, but it does sound interesting, and I'm going to check it out after the show. All right, so the next one is the Linux Mint project is using Ubuntu as its base. And there's even a branch that's using Debian, which I think anybody who's ever listened to this show already knows, because I've actually used both of them. Uh, but it looks like for the moment, it won't be using systemd as a default in its system, which, you know, as far as I'm concerned, let me give a big yoo-hoo that, <laughs> <laughs> that they have decided not to use systemd, because I understand the reason behind systemd, because it is, in fact, much faster than, than sysv in it, but it's not... To me, it's not ready for prime time, but that's just me talking. Uh, I'm sure there's uh, probably 10 people for every one of me who would disagree that SystemD is, isn't better. Uh, it says Ubuntu has already adopted SystemD for 15.04, and it can be used right now, but the Linux Mint developers are not taking the step just yet, and it will be quite a while until that will happen. It's unlikely that Linux Mint 17.x branch will see the introduction of SystemD, or at least this is what the leader of the project is saying in his monthly update. Linux Mint is one of the most used operating systems in the world. And as a matter of fact, we use it. I just installed Linux Mint 17.1 on our core machine that we use here at the house. What, and is, not, what is Linux Mint 17 called? Oh, it begins with an R. It's so, uh, Rachel. I'll look Rachel. that up while you're continuing. I think it's Rachel or something like that. or Rochelle, Rochelle. Yeah. Well, anyway. Sorry. That's and I'm actually using... It's friends. Um. Over the last many episodes, I've you know talked about how much I hate Ubuntu <laughs> uh, and don't like Ubuntu and the Unity interface and everything like that. But we're actually using the Linux Mint that's based on Ubuntu now, not the Debian one. Um, Rebecca. Rebecca, the that's it. The lovely Rebecca. The lovely Rebecca. Rebecca. It's, it's not an animal for once. Or maybe it is. No, well, uh, maybe there's maybe, something like that. Yeah. Rebecca is not a female Reebok. Rebecca. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, just like an I'm funny in my own head. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was close with Rochelle. Rochelle, though, I think I said Rachel first. But no, uh, but Cheryl agreed with me. Yeah, you Pete, never watched. You never watched Friends. Uh, yeah, a long time ago. Oh no, sorry, it's not Friends. What am I saying? It's from Seinfeld. Rochelle, Seinfeld. Rochelle. Yeah, I used to watch that one too. <laughs> uh, Anyways, it's a soft porn, I guess. They call it Rochelle. Rochelle, uh, equivalent to what Emmanuel was in the '70s. You know. Not that I would know this. No, of course not, Peter. <laughs> so we're all sitting here in the dark, and you're the one who's talking about softcore porn. Do you, do you get Cinemax at your house? Is it? No. No. All right. Netflix. 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 Uh, That's yeah. just as bad. Netflix XXX. <clears throat> you watching a lot of uh, Orange Is the New Black? Are you? Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, that's an awesome show, but. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get tickets to go see Laverne. Cox Laverne Cox tomorrow. tomorrow. So. Really? Yep. Uh, I, I'm waiting anxiously, <laughs> totally off topic, but I'm yep. anxiously waiting for the next season, which is coming out in June, I'm told. 
Uh, very cool. Yeah. We, we have to start watching it. We haven't started watching it yet. Oh, you haven't watched it yet? No, we haven't oh, watched it yet. We have to watch it. It's we watched the first episode. I thought the episode, the first couple episodes that we saw were actually quite good, but we haven't had a chance to get around to the rest of it. So. Yeah, no, it gets better. Like It's kind of like Breaking Bad. It starts slow and it gets much better. And then it gets stupid. So, no, no, not at all. Okay, well, Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad apparently did, you know, because I watched Breaking Bad that way. I watched all five seasons of Breaking Bad in uh, like Two a week. Days. Yeah, no, it, was a, it like, was a week. You didn't like Breaking Bad? No, I thought Breaking Bad was great for the first three seasons. And then I thought, I think I, I tweeted uh, about the time that I got into the fourth or the middle of the fifth season of Breaking Bad because I was power watching it. My tweet, if I remember correctly, was something along the lines of, this is the worst show you can't stop watching. I remember that. Huh? Remember you remember that? that yeah so yeah our neighbor was a huge breaking bad fan and just begged us basically to watch it well, i refused but rest stuff. in it huh did i unplug my mic no you're you're still talking okay. you, you can't power watch stuff because you kind of there's something to be said about watching stuff for the few days or a week in in between because once you start watching stuff i was watching um sons of anarchy and i was power watching sons of anarchy and, you know, Sons of Anarchy is, is it's about, you guys know, it's about a, yes, a biker gang. Know. And they're like the worst criminals in the world because, you know, they can't sell guns properly and they can't sell drugs and they can't do prostitution. There's always something stupid that happens to them. But if you're power watching it, you're like, these guys are idiots. <laughs> but, I mean, but I mean, if you're watching it week after week, then you forget because you're watching other stuff in between. And then you don't really notice it so much. So I, I don't think power watching helps any series myself. No, it probably doesn't. And right now I'm in the middle of power watching Dexter, which is not helping that either. Yeah, I never got into Dexter so much. I, I like it, but I, I haven't gotten into it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan. Anyway, like massive digression. Put <laughs> <laughs> on your blinker and get turned back around. How the hell did we get from Linux Mint to Breaking Bad? <laughs> Can anyone follow the progression of that discussion? <laughs> Uh, by way of uh, orange is the new black. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. I, that came out apropos of nothing. So, yeah, indeed. Uh, things seem to have calmed down on the Debian front regarding the adoption of a new init system D, and there hasn't been any opposition in the Ubuntu community. It's not clear what will happen when the Linux Mint fans will be confronted with this issue. Linux Mint is not embracing system D anytime soon. The first thing you need to know about the Linux Mint 17.x branch is that it is using Ubuntu 14.04 LTS as a base. The Ubuntu developers are only introducing systemd to the 15.04 branch. It doesn't mean that the Mint developers can't implement it right now, but they're probably waiting for the next LTS, which will arrive in April of 2016. Uh, we already know that Ubuntu-based version won't be getting systemd, but neither will the Debian-based one. And as I said before, yay. Because personally, I don't see anything wrong with SysV in it. And yes, it may take your system an extra 10 seconds to boot up. But honestly, who gives a crap? At least SysV in it is understandable. But is that the only difference? Is it just going to boot faster? I mean, why? Well, the idea is that it's um, it's a run-as-needed in it system. It's, it's well, that's based- a good thing. No, it is a good thing. I think the principle of System D is wonderful. I think I think the idea of it is excellent. But until it's properly implemented, we need to kind of stay away from it, especially in stable distributions like Linux Mint. But uh, so, what's its problem? It's just not stable. It bugs. It it's, crashes. It's a little. It's a little buggy, and it's also it's opaque to users. It's very hard to figure out how to make something work properly using System D. Um, yeah, well, I guess that's the beauty of Linux Mint. That you, it's plug and play basically. So I guess if you mess around with that, you're kind of messing with the whole 
not really philosophy, but the beauty of what Linux Mint is. You know, it's a it's a right. good way. It's a good way to get people who are trying to get away from Windows and don't know what to use and don't want to spend hundreds of dollars. It's a great way to get them involved in Linux. It's just here. Here's Linux Mint. Plug and play. People love it. It looks familiar. You know, people feel right at home right away. I, I did it for, for uh, you know, Sharon and, you know, my, my, uh, my, my girlfriend, and she just thought it was, you know, it was easy. It was, it was an easy switch for her. And if someone in the chat room is listening to this and have some, you know, uh, an argument to the contrary of why System D is like the greatest thing ever, I would certainly love to hear it. So, um, but anyway, I'm, I'm at least I'm down on System D for right now. I, I think it's a wonderful idea in principle, and I think as soon as the implementation comes up to the level of its principle, we just should stick with what we got. Woo-hoo. All right, good. That was uh, summation in five seconds. Excellent. <laughs> All right, hey. Pete, take us out with this last story. Take you out. What's up? Crackers? Take us out. Take us out. No, well, don't take us out. No, <laughs> we, just, we were just talking about Breaking Bad, so forget what I just said, but don't take us out. Yeah. <laughs> this one is uh, entitled The Impact of Linux Philosophy. It's from uh, LWN.net, and it basically uh, is just a little short one that goes, uh, starting with the premise that all operating operating systems have a philosophy. Uh, An article at opensource.com looks at the Linux philosophy and how it differs from other operating systems. So uh, the quote is, uh, imagine for a moment the chaos and frustration that would result from attempting to use a nail gun that asked you if you really wanted to shoot that nail and would not allow you to pull the trigger. Until you said the word yes aloud. Linux allows you to use the nail gun as you choose, and that's the beauty of Linux. You can shoot anyone you want, anytime you want. (laughs) Other operating systems uh, let you know that you can use nails, but they don't tell you uh, what the tool is uh, used to do or how to insert the nail, so let alone how to put your own finger on the trigger. So I thought it was kind of an interesting little article on basically, you know, how easy it is to use Linux. The whole premise or philosophy of Linux is the ease of use. Of course, you can't say that for all distributions, uh, but, uh, you know, we're just talking about Linux Mint and how easy that is, so it certainly fits in with that one. All right, that's kind of cool. And it's interesting that you should uh, talk about Linux philosophy because right, right as you were finishing up that episode, Jay Lindsay in the chat room says about System D. I think most of us are done arguing about System D. I think it's easy. I like using it. Use whatever you want. <laughs> well, and that's the beauty of Linux too. Is there's something for everyone. There's something for people who, you know, have never used Linux, and and I'm not saying this pejoratively, but don't know what they're doing basically, and they're trying to learn. And there's something for people who, you know, are, are diehard coders. And, you know, there's certain distributions that I wouldn't even know where to begin with. Uh, you know, you can even just code your own system and do what you want with it. So, you know, from, from A to Z, from beginner to, uh, to seasoned user, there's something for everyone. And, and that's the beauty of, of Linux. And that's kind of what the philosophy is saying. I think that's exactly right. And I think that's one of the things that is one of the straight up major tenets of the show is that it doesn't really matter what background you come from or what you're trying to accomplish. There's something in Linux for everyone, whether you are a ham radio operator or just a general user or whatever, you can find something that fits your niche, uh, that makes your brain happy, uh, whatever it is. Uh, it's all in Linux. Yeah. Whether you're good looking or ugly, it doesn't. Uh, That's right. It's totally agnostic. It doesn't care anything about how you look. Whether you're good looking like me or ugly like Russ. That's right. There you go. Wait a minute. (laughs) 
Screw you, Pete. No. <laughs> we have a lot of uh, donations and, you know, people who have signed up for the mailing list for various social media networks, including Twitter, Facebook, and all that stuff. I just updated the Facebook list. You did, Oh, we actually have that down here? Yes, I, ha- I have Facebook. That's the only thing I have. All right, so we're going to have a, a list of a few people, but I'm way behind on some of the others, especially the donations. I know a few of them, but I want to get everybody, so we're going to get to get around to all of that next time. We will get to the Facebook stuff here uh, that we do have when we get to that, but before we get to any of that, Cheryl has her recipe corner for this week, or this fortnight. Yeah, this fortnight. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so um, since I was in a hurry to get everything done, I just snagged... Uh... One of Russ's favorite recipes. Craft uh, pot- dinner? Cool. Yeah, no, no, no. No, no yeah, I actually hate craft dinner. Yeah. I hate that stuff. So. <laughs> nope, not one of my favorites. Not at all. Russ loves spaghetti, but this is, I think, probably his second favorite pasta dish that I make. And, of course, I'm allergic to tomatoes, so I can't eat it. But You're allergic? Like, really allergic? Yeah, really allergic. I, yeah. Russ well, not like pizza. she's going to die, but it's a problem. Let's yeah, just say it's, that. Yeah, it's a major really? problem. I've yeah. never heard of a tomato allergy. Yeah, <laughs> Russ. Uh, actually, a friend of mine also has the same problem. So, is it, is Russ. It like, is, it, is it oranges, too? Like, is it the acid, the acidity? It's, or? it's apparently something to do with the acidity. I, I end up... Uh, not just, no, not no, in a pleasant. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm I'm not in a pleasant place when I eat it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But like today, Russ wanted to go out for pizza for lunch, and I of course was headed to the mall. But he wanted me to join him for lunch. And I sat there and drank a glass of water. Well, he Way ate to his go, lunch. Russ. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm with you. I told her that I would get her a salad, and she could have eaten a salad. A tomato salad? Not yeah. a tomato salad. No. <laughs> nope. Yeah, no, I wasn't nope. interested in the salad either, so which I still haven't gotten around to eating yet, so I have to once the you podcast know, the thing is, is on, you I could have, have dinner. You could have got a case of pizza. It doesn't have tomato sauce on it. I'm not I, gonna do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but this is this is one of Russ's favorite recipes and it's called bow ties with sausage, tomatoes and cream. It's bow tie sausage. Link. Wait, wait, wait. Bowtie sausage. sausage. (laughs) Yeah, wow. (laughs) Bowtie sausage. Let's let's back that up. Bowtie pasta and uh, Link Italian sausage, which uh, is really good, and some tomatoes and red pepper and onion and garlic and lots of heavy cream, which makes a nice pink sauce that they refer to around here anyway. Um but rosé. Yeah, it's a rosé. Yeah. Um, St. Louis has an area called the Hill. Thank you for echoing <laughs> me like that. <laughs> so when you go there and ask for a tomato cream sauce, they're like, oh, you want the pink sauce. So that's... Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not in a big, huge bathroom somewhere. <laughs> go away. <laughs> I am in control of the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everybody's figured that one out by now as well. So, but anyway, it's uh, it's very tasty. I think he likes it. Do you like it? Stop <laughs> yes, it. <laughs> I, I do like it. it. It's a great crockpot recipe. You can throw oh, yeah. it together. Um, I noticed you've done a few crockpot recipes, you know, lately. But we've been eating a lot of them lately, so that's kind of the way it goes. But for something you can just kind of throw into a pot, let it simmer for, you know, six hours or whatever, and then just be done with it and pull it out and eat it, 
Italian food is great for the sort of casserole <laughs> arrangement of food where yeah, you just kind of throw out. everything into a big bucket and you eat it. <laughs> so. That didn't sound so good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was channeling Monty Python and the meaning of life there. So, uh, But the recipe for that will be on, or in the show notes rather, and one of these days we got to get around to making a YouTube video of some of these so we can... Yeah, we've done one YouTube video. Yeah. We need to maybe do, maybe we can do the meat candy one because that one's easy and you can we can sit around for for thirty minutes rolling bacon around little smokies <laughs> that'll make for what uh, interesting watching yeah we we just did that last weekend yeah too. uh but we'll we'll get together and we'll put some of these together but anyway if you need the recipe and you want to find out all the details about what actually goes in it and uh, the parts of it of like how you assemble it and stuff like that because you can bake it in the oven as well as as doing it in a crock pot you don't have to do it no, that way it's on the stove or on the stove sorry yeah. it was on the stove Okay. But there's multiple ways to cook it. You could probably make it in the microwave, too, if you're that kind of person. Uh, it's just cheese and pasta. I mean, it's all going to yeah, come out as a big well, mushy... Yeah. Right, but you need, to, you need to cook that sausage first. Boy, I'm really so. selling this, aren't I? Yeah, yeah you really are not. Yeah. <laughs> you really it, it, it requires a little bit of work, but yeah. it's really good in the end. It is very good. It is one of my favorite things. And I, I do love Italian food, so I... You can't really go wrong as far as that's concerned. As long as you can eat tomatoes. If you can't eat tomatoes, you might want to stay away from this. Yeah, so. that's true. So. All right. Well, with that, I think we're about done. We, Like I said, uh, Cheryl put in the, the Facebook um, likes that we've had uh, over the past, oh, I think it's two almost, months. yeah, at least a month anyway. No, two months. It's two months? Yep. All right. So go ahead and read those off, and then I guess we're going to wrap it up, unless anyone else in the chat room or Pete, you have anything else? Nope, I'm cool. <laughs> All right, you cool? In my own mind. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, well, in the social media roundup, of course, we have no donations and subscriptions. No, we actually have many donations Well, and right, because and... Russ hasn't... I, I, should, I should back that up a little bit. We don't have any, any, we don't have any in the Etherpad, because Russ has been well, too Well, let me, let me see if I can pull these out of my email here. This shouldn't be, this shouldn't be too hard. Too many hours. Yeah, it shouldn't be too many hours. All right, for donations, we have, let me see, let me make sure I'm back as far as I need to go. Yeah, this is all the way back in December, so yeah, I think we're back as far as I need to go. Uh, we have a monthly donation from Steve Conklin, a monthly donation from Jeremy Hall, monthly donation from Scott Pettigrew, yearly membership from Robert Yerke, a monthly from Bill Arcand. This is a brand new one, though. This is a brand new one, a yearly uh, membership from Alan Wilson. Wilson, a monthly from Bill Hyatt, a yearly from Mike Aiello, and that's it. We do have, let's see. Excellent. Mike is a regular uh, listener, um, like he listens live quite a bit. Yeah, N2HTT, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. All he right. sent me an email today actually saying hello. Yeah, right. Bill Hyatt actually lives down the road. Yeah, he us, lives uh... in, in Arkansas, so uh, not too far from here. Uh, we do That's have some in Missouri. Yeah, but yeah, um, we're really close to Arkansas. Yeah, where where he lives is about fifty miles away. He he down lives a couple of miles from my nephew. Only in Missouri is fifty miles down the road. Yeah, yes. exactly. It, down the road for me is like you know you know never mind. <laughs> All right, carry on. So. We'll, we'll ferret out the Twitters and the Googlers and all of that stuff on the next episode. But we do have the Facebookers, so run yes. down the Facebookers. All right. The list of Facebook people is Glenn Dubay, David G. Hood, Chris Justice, Wyman Ancornram, 
Yeah, I know. I butchered that one. Uh, Mark uh, Human. That's probably Humanic. Humanic, yeah. Bruce Given, Terrence Podolsky, Jamie Winning, Jerry Roar, Roy, excuse me, Igor Kovtuniak. Kovtuniak? Igor yes. Kovtuniak? Maybe, yeah. Uh, Chuck maybe. Chivers or Chivers. Uh, maybe, or, yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Chuck Chivers, I'm guessing, maybe. I, I, love, I love how Cheryl asks a question when she's not sure. Bruce Given? <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody who has liked us on Facebook or become a member of our Google Plus community, which, as I said before, is over 1,000 members strong. That's incredible. Yay. Um, we're actually up to like 480 Twitter followers, and we're still doing our thing where we will give away a, a handy talkie from Pofung or Baofung, whichever the hell it is. These Whoever days. they are this week. Right. Uh, to one of the 500 subscribers that we have as soon as we get to 500 followers on Twitter. And we're almost there. So someone is very soon going to get a Baofung uh, handy talkie. And we did have quite a few new followers on Twitter, and we will get to that as soon as uh, next episode. With that, I think we're just about ready to rock on out of here if everyone is uh, cool and there's no more, like, chit-chat in the in the chat room or anything like that, or if Pete wants chat to... Chat room is quiet, and uh, I have nothing else to say, surprisingly. <laughs> surprisingly, yes. Yeah, well, Jay Lindsay wants to know if Russ is a good bowler. Oh, that's right. That question came up a long time ago. Jay Lindsay wanted to know, because we were talking about the fact that we just come from my bowling league bowling for tonight, um, which we bowled early because normally it's on Thursdays. Uh, and Jay Lindsay wanted to know if I was a good bowler. And the answer to that question is no, I'm actually a pretty crappy bowler. <laughs> but uh, You're decent. Uh, I'm all right. I carry about a 174 average. So I don't know. Seriously? If, yeah. Well, I bowl like a three. <laughs> wow, you bowl about three more than I do. <laughs> That's pretty decent, yeah. mate. Yeah. So right, right in the one seventy four area is where I am right now. So that, you know, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a little inconsistent, but overall I do okay. So one seventy four is what I golf actually. <laughs> That's like a what a million handicaps. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, I'm going to hit the button and get us on out of here, folks. So here we go. Uh, yeah, I got to read some stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, this has been episode number 139 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Uh, please check out our website, lhspodcast.info. You can find out all kinds of information about the show over there. You can become an LHS ambassador. You can represent us at an upcoming Linux convention or Ham Fest. Uh, you can email us at info at lhspodcast.info. You can leave us a voicemail at 1909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1909-547-7469. We would love to hear from you, whether by email, via comment from the website, or by voicemail. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast over on the Freenode network. That's irc.freenode.net. Uh, subscribe to our mailing list. The link for that, of course, is on the website. We also have some pretty cool merchandise. We've got our logo merchandise. We've got Badger merchandise, two different varieties. You can find those at cafepress.com slash lhspodcast or printfection.com slash lhspodcast. You can also help out the show by clicking on the sponsored ad on the right-hand column of the website, lhspodcast.info. 
If you do that, it doesn't cost you anything. And Google's, Google uh, AdSense will send us some money every so often. And it does help out the show. Keeps us moving along. Uh, listen every other night. Every other night. Listen every other fortnight. Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time. That's Tuesday, 0200 Zulu Time in the early morning. Um, our recording schedule and the countdown timer for the next episode is on the website. And uh, you can check out, like I said, the website is the clearinghouse for everything you ever wanted to know about the show. So thanks, Pete. Thanks, Cheryl. And, uh... Yar. Yar. That's right. <laughs> to air is human, to R is pirate. That's right. <laughs> uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening to 139 of Linux in the Ham Shack. We'll be back in two weeks' time with episode number 140. Uh, check us out. Our Hamvention Indiegogo campaign. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks to all our listeners. Now, in the future, in the past and in dimensions we aren't even aware of. We'll catch you all next time. I play with myself. <laughs>